Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Be a part of it with Scott's Menswear, the go-to destination for sports fashion. With a reputation spanning over 30 years, Scott's has a mega brand catalogue featuring Adidas Originals, Nike, Fred Perry, Pretty Green, and many more. Here at RGM, we love the support that they offer us and the music-loving community around us. Check them out at scottsmenswear.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Week two of the uh, new series. Did you enjoy the first episode last week? John Cooper Clark. Thanks for your feedback on that episode, guys. You seem to have enjoyed it as much as what I did. Great. And you... And based on your comments as well, you were you fully understood that I was out of depth at some, some points in that interview, but, you know, it is what it is. Never been one of those intellectuals, me. I just... I just try my best. Yeah. So I'm going to drink a tea before we start the show. Pull up a few guys. We've got the Red Rum Club. Ru- I can't speak today. We've got Red Rum Club coming up. Wish I could speak. It would help um, these podcasts. Oh, it's been a right stressful week. I mentioned it on the last podcast that the website was down. Absolute nightmare. Um, so we use AWS for the server for the website, and we've been trying for ages to to back it up. So we've got you know, some kind of fallback if something goes wrong with the website. And we backed it up. And then it surged the amount of data. I don't know what server things do, but it surged and used all the allowance behind the scenes that a website is allowed to use. I don't really know what it means, but it it caused the website to go down, basically. Ball ache. Down for a week. Just about caught up now, though, so if you're expecting an email or anything, sorry for any delays, but it's just one of those things. We've invested in the infrastructure of the website by moving the host to a company to manage all the technical stuff behind the scenes with it. It's expensive, but it's a necessary evil, I think, just to have peace of mind and knowing that it's managed well, and if anything goes wrong, we've got experts on hand to sort it straight away. And to be honest, if you're running a website, you know, and you you are looking to grow something and you're looking to offer a professional um, package to our readers, then it needs to be done. So it, happened, it had to happen at some point. But I'm a Yorkshireman. I don't like spending money, but I've had to. And I've tried to stop smoking as well. So that's not helped my mood over the last couple of weeks. Straight after tram lines, I did stop for a week. And then I went to the concert for John in Manchester uh, at the Ritz. Saw loads of old friends, had a few drinks and and a couple of cigarettes after a week off. But it was, it's been two weeks now and I've not had one. But the cravings are there every day. It's, uh, it's hard work. But anyway, how have you got on this week? Have you managed to sort all your chores out? Have you sorted that thing that you've been meaning to do for the last, you know, 18 months? 
Yeah? Have you tidied that cupboard? Have you got your thing stamped so you can do that thing at the weekend? Did you reply to that email that you that you've been meaning to sort out for a while? We're all just living life, aren't we? There's still no sponges in Morrison's in Denton as well. Nightmare. I had to go to Sainsbury's. Oh, well, thank you for joining us again for a brand new podcast, ladies and gentlemen. As I tried to say earlier, we've got Red Rum Club. Tom and Fran join us for a, a great interview. And what a hard-working group of lads this band are. You can pre-order their new album uh, from the link within this podcast. Just jump on there. I've already done it. Pre-order the album. It's out soon. They've got a single out now as well. Vibrate is available now just to tune in and listen to the lads. Crack a new single. For all the latest updates on the podcast, you can join us on Twitter at RGM Pod. And the video version of this podcast premieres on RGM's YouTube page at six o'clock on Monday. So if you're listening to the podcast today, on its release day, thank you for joining us. You can watch the video version on there too. So let's crack on with the interview. We I joined the lads the day after England's Euros game, England versus Ukraine, and the lads were uh, they were playing in Manchester at Deaf Institute for this feeling. They were doing like an acoustic gig. We, we talk about it on the interview. But I think Tom had had a few. Bless him. We've all been there, though. <clears throat> so without further ado, I'm going to shut up because I need I can I can ramble on me than ours. Welcome to a brand new podcast. Thanks for everybody for joining us for last week for uh, for John Cooper Clark. Thank you. Do delve into the archives. You know, this is, we've got four series now of the podcast. There's loads of celebrity guests. There's loads of tips for bands. There's loads of industry chat that we uh, that we've done. There's hours of content on there for you to enjoy and go back uh, throughout the archives. I've said I were going to shut up and I carried on babbling, didn't I? Right, I'm going to shut up. This is our interview with Tom and Fran from Red Rum Club. Enjoy, guys. Right then, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new episode of the RGM Experience podcast sponsored by the beautiful people at Scots Menswear. And we're joined today by Tom and Fran from Red Rum Club. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Yeah, it's, uh, we're actually recording this podcast the day after England's 4-0 win over the Ukraine, and it's quite early in the morning, and, the, and you had a gig in Manchester last night as well, don't, didn't you guys? So really appreciate, you know, working through everything and having a chat with us this morning. No worries. I'm all right. Yeah. Tom, that's suffering. Yeah. Well, you look, you look all right, mate. What did you get up to then? Because you were playing Manchester last night, weren't you, for this feeling and Scots um, at Breadshed, was it? Yeah, yeah. How was it? Uh, good. It was acoustic, so mm. we were a bit laid back, but yeah, the night was the opposite. Sure. So, uh, yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was good to be back. It was like it felt like the first time there was a room full of people. To be honest, like yeah. it was tables and a limited capacity, but it felt like it was kind of getting back to normal, which is good. Yeah, yeah, it's great. How did you find it, Fran? Yeah, it felt strange. It felt like um, 
because we hadn't done it for so long, mm. I felt like I was someone who was pretending to be in Red Run Club. I felt like a Red Run Club <laughs> covers band. Like you sort of <laughs> oh, forget, right, okay. like, yeah. yeah, you just forget some of the, you know, you, you forget the, the, the routine of the day. And then even when you're on stage, it's a little bit like, oh, yeah, we used to, we used to do this thing. And we used yeah. to, you know, I, it just it just felt a bit weird because it's been so long. But I think by the like third, fourth song, we were, I was sort of back in the zone. Sure. Um, I, can, I can imagine, like, because it, it's been a hard time for the creative industry and everybody, really. And I suppose it's, we need to be mindful of, well, I don't know what it was like in a football crowd, but when there's big gatherings again, when we start gigging, I'm going to come. I'm going to come to you know you're playing tram lines, which I'm going to be attending as well. The big you got a big you got a big massive gig coming up and a third album. We'll get to all that in a bit, but um, I suppose you know the first time that people are back on stage and they're around big crowds, it can be quite of a daunting experience for some that we need to be, need to be mindful of. I think. Yeah, it, and it's sort of. Um... Everyone's got their own view on on the events, and and everyone sort of has a different experience over the past couple of couple of months, or like mm. the last year, yeah. eighteen months. So I think it's it's it is a little bit sort of um, you, know, you haven't seen a friend for ages, and yeah. and you don't know whether it's like that, but for, for worldwide, so you don't know whether you, you know it, people are the same people they were beforehand, and that, and then yeah. that with the added pressure of the the whole um, COVID thing, and and and. You know, people going out just worrying whether it's a, whether yeah. they're gonna upset someone just for you know for just shaking their hands or whatever. It's yeah. a little bit uh, it, it it does feel like that tension in the air. But I think music and football, it well, it feels like they're the two things that I think people have missed. So they're willing to that'll bring people together. I think mm. it, well, it it felt like that last night. You know what I mean? It felt like all the uh, everyone's guards were down and and it was everyone was there for for a good night. Like yeah. Sure. And how did you find it, Tom? Did did you just get straight into it, or a little bit of anxiety? It was exciting. I remember, mm. like, dawn on me that was it was after because we've been so busy as a band still yeah. doing like other like band things, like in the studio and practicing and stuff. Mm. When I was about to go on stage, I was like, oh, "This is actually the <laughs> first time we've played some of these songs as well, yeah. like from the second album." That it's like the first time we played them in front of people. And it was still it was acoustic, but it still felt like uh, yeah. Then I'll bet it goes down okay. Like sure. Well, let let's go let's go back a little bit. Uh, so, how did you all get into music? What 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 kicked off that passion inside you to think, fuck it, I'm going to be in a band? Uh, I had I was always like a, a football lad. I mean, I still mm. am in that, but. Uh, most of my spare time was taken up with football. So mm. after school, I go and play. Jordan school, I play. And on the weekends, I play Saturday, Sunday. And um, but I got to be teenage years, and I had like a, I had like a bit of an injury as as when I was like nine, and I had to have two years off. I had like a sort of operation and stuff. Mm. And then I just found a different passion. So in the in the meantime, I I was always into music. My mum and my mum's side of the family, they're all musical. And, and uh, I got a guitar. I just asked for a guitar for Christmas. Because um, I'd seen my uncle playing it and stuff like that, mm. I think I went to a house party. My uncle was playing it, and, and like he was the life and soul of the party. And I was like, I want to do that. Um, and then I got a guitar for Christmas, and because I did, Tom did. And yeah, I remember telling Tom, and Tom was like, oh, I'll get one as well then. <laughs> no, I got one. I got one, and then when it was like because I was into the forties, and mum got one for Christmas, and I was like, oh thanks. And I was like a bit like I don't play guitar. I didn't touch it for years. 
our older cousin had learned it as well. Yeah. And then I just dived right in then and we just kind of like, yeah, delved into it. Yeah. It was mainly so Esperanto's, like, wasn't it, Tom? Yeah, that was... I played that for gigs and stuff as like a open mic, like two piece. Yeah. Me and Fran, we were like fourteen. <laughs> I, I was, I think I was fourteen. You were sixteen or something, or, or were you younger? No, I think that was about we, yeah. So, is we that playing it, in there? Did you all know each other from school and that? Then everybody in the band. Well, well we sort no. of did like. Me and Tom are cousins, um, and I'd say we just spend the weekends together when we weren't playing footy. We'd, we'd be jamming along or whatever in each other's houses. Uh, and then we just sort of got in a circle in, in like the north of Liverpool in the bars and clubs and stuff. Mm. Um, and we started to meet lads around our similar age who were in the school down the road or whatever. Um, and then we just become mates from that sort of little, it was just like a little circuit where we'd all go and play a different bar every weekend. And, and, then, and then Mike just invited us all around and said, come on, let's make a new band. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we kicked into our first like cover song, it was it was better than anything we'd experienced before in our other bands. Mm-hmm. And we were like, wow, that's like and I think he I think Mike had done it on purpose. I think Mike had scouted people. I think Mike had like when like you can go this, you're that, you're this wow. and, and got the best out of uh, out of each of the bands. And then when we kicked in it, it was like uh, it was Pyro by Kings Leon and it was yeah. It was it was a different level, like. Right. I actually, what family leader? He invited Fran and like a few of the lads, and I was like, I was meant to be going out that night. And I think I went out like drinking in like the woods or something, <laughs> and the start was pissing down. So I was like, Fran, can I can I come with you tonight? And he was like, you'll have to ask Mike. He's invited me, and I asked Mike, and then that became a fire piece. Then, because I just turned up and there was three other lads there. These are starting a band and I'm not meant to be in it. <laughs> Forced you in there. Yeah, and then... <laughs> yeah. So I kind of wheedled my way in. Sure, mate. Tom, you, you, it's coming off a little bit, mate. Uh, it, it, is there any way to get a little bit closer to your router or anything like that? But is that okay? It just keeps coming yeah, off yeah, a little bit just for you, mate. Cheers. If possible, mate. No worries. It's, you know, it's the internet. It's the... The bane of everybody's life. Cheers, mate. Right, friends. So, did you want to tell us something about each band member that you think was no unknown? Yeah, something surprising, really. Something that you know you think, um, something that you think would surprise us, or what people might not know about Red Rum Club and the members. What people might not know? Uh, well, we were in a band before Joe. Mm. It's called Small Prince. Um, and back in them days, it was just a case of it. I mean, we we didn't realise it, but we had the stabilisers on. We were practising. We were. It was. It was all good. For, it was good fun, but it was. Mm. It was making us the band we are and the musicians we yeah. are. Um, and it, it it got to a point where someone was like, uh, I think it was Carl Hunter out the farm actually. Oh, wow. probably not. Not many people know this actually. I think. Yeah. Um, so Carl Hunter out the farm had good connections, obviously, because his years in the industry. Mm. And he recognised us and said, like, he's a good boy, sort of thing. And um, our manager, and our current manager, you know, has been to this day and from day one, he said, uh, he, he got in touch and was like, boys, I, I'm really interested in, me, uh, you know, managing you, so you're quite good and this and that. And, and I've got a few songs here, and we can write some songs together. Mm. Um, but it was actually Carl Hunter that got us our first ever record deal in Park Street. Wow. Um, 
and he's, he managed to windle us. Uh, he managed to windle us to a day in Parsley Studios and said, "Come on, come in and, and and do it." And he really was the catalyst. Him and George, our manager, yeah. they were the catalyst because otherwise we'd just be still playing like pubs and that. Probably. What? I mean, we always wanted to. Do, we wanted to be in the industry, but we didn't know how to be in the industry. Yeah. Um, and it was him that was like, "No, go and write some songs. Stop playing the Beatles and stop playing Oasis covers, and, mm. and go and write some songs. And then you know we'll have a good go at this." And and they injected like belief into us of like, "Oh, hang on, these fellas, these seem to know what to do, and these seem, these can put us on the right path." You know what, what, I mean? what do you think they saw in you to to you know to to spend that time giving you their advice? And they must have seen something in you to. Um, you know, to to support you that way. This was a point. Can you hear me now? Yeah, right? mate. Thank you. Uh, this was a point where, like, we'd been a band at this point for like about two, three years, maybe, but not really taking it too serious. And then yeah. there was a point where we just locked ourselves away for about eighteen months and just wrote, mm-hmm. kind of found out what we wanted to sound like, and then just wrote as many songs as we could in that kind of ballpark. So when we came out, we we kind of had a bit of a identity, like within ourselves, and we had like a bit of a sound that like we thought was a bit unique. So I think that's what kind of interested initially. I think it's also the fact that we're like a big gang of mates, and you can tell that. Um, you know, I think we were they seen a sort of passion in us that we were, we were playing every weekend. We were always doing something. We were always there, and even at the gigs. You could sort of tell on stage that we were just like we were doing it for the love of us. It wasn't we were going there for a payday. It wasn't the fact that we we were just going to do it because it was like yeah, let's just go and play because we enjoy playing. And I think that was the first thing that sort of rubbed off rubbed off on them. And then we probably like they realised we were all pretty good lads and pretty good musicians. So we, we you know when we started writing, we come up with something, and then that was some some it was born. You know what I mean? That was something that was a. Uh, it was a product then, I think. You mm. know what I mean? A lot of bands are very eager just to get out there and just play. Even like I'm, I'm talking uh, before the pandemic, and a lot of bands can be guilty of being a little bit, particularly when they're really passionate about it. Fair enough if you if you're into it and you just want to play to your mates and just have a good time, whatever. But when you're serious about making it for a career, you still see some bands going. Sh- going out and playing the song that they wrote last week live, thinking that's going to help them when, in theory, you know, th- th- these songs and these ideas need m- nurturing to make them the best that can, that can be. And I really uh, see that from you guys, that you've got, there's more thought behind the band. There's, there's a process that goes on. It feels like behind the scenes before you're, before you're on stage, and it feels like it's a well-thought-out, planned thing. Is, is, is that a fair comment? Yeah, I think so. It's just it's just the eagerness of youth, isn't it? I think yeah. we were we were we were sort of a, we were um like that to be honest. We would always just like wouldn't mm. we we just throw songs in here and there and we'd yeah. record something in the back room somewhere and then just think that was okay and yeah. But it, it, I think them bands just needs uh, George Wilson. You know, like our manager was like, "Well, yeah. you know, hold your horses, go and do it right." Go, you know, so when you when you when it does come out, it's better than stop comparing yourselves to like your, your mates' bands or the next band in the next bar mm. or the bands on before. Yeah, compare yourselves to the top artists because that's the only way you can you'll get there and compete with them. You, you, it needs the needs yeah. to be a, an actual thing about it. You know what I mean? Actual actual process about these things. Don't just be going out and mm. 
but it, it is hard, you know, when you when you're so proud and so passionate of something yeah. like you've done and you want to go and show it. It, it is hard. Just well, I've done it. With, just need to order a bit of now. When when I owned a band ten years ago, that's that's what we did. And me just looking back, that's how I've learned, and that's how I pass on knowledge to these young bands that are really ego. I've even started managing a band now that are just, you know, pre-pandemic. They were they just wanted to go out with the mates and just have a drink and just re- record something really quick and get it out just so it feels like they're doing stuff. But you've just got to calm them down, you know, give them advice, tell them, give them a plan and, and, and help them see how much of an advantage that will be for them moving forward, which, which you know, it's it's definitely working for you guys having that plan. And, you know, I, I, I don't really know you personally or anything like that, but I see it from your socials and that kind of stuff. And I see it from the band's presentation that there's a, there's a plan there and it's a professional plan uh, and it looks a lot more professional than, you know, some of the professional bands you see as well sometimes. Yeah. We, we've only, I say we've only got that because we've done it. We, we've done, we're, we're on third album cycle now, we yeah. know, and, and um, even the first album, we were a bit eager and we were a bit sort of, yeah. maybe we're a little bit unprepared, but that might have been added to the, the novelty of it. The, the, yeah. the, the, you know what I mean? It, 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 sometimes it can be good, you know, people who just throw things on Twitter you no, know, there's people who go go viral just for yeah. doing a cover on Twitter, and it just got it blows up. But from our point of view, I don't think I don't think we uh, want to take that risk. To be honest, yeah. Well, the, the album thing's interesting. You want your third album, which is a massive undertaking, to have that much content out there. Um, a, a lot of bands are shying away from albums these days. They're just bringing singles out every three or four months, just keeping themselves ticking over because they feel. Uh, just from people that I've spoken to, they can feel by bringing an album out, it can sometimes be a lot of work for not much gain. I know you've got a team behind you and that kind of stuff, and through Modern Sky and uh, through you know through a team. But how how what was the plan with releasing albums? What we just did, thought did, it was like yeah, it actually did the opposite for us. It really uh, helped us. Mm. We live in like a Netflix kind of binge age don't we I feel like if we release something release a body of work and just go into all of it mm. and that's what we that's what we found was like um, the most advantageous to us because like looking for a new episode or something nowadays do they have to like have it all mm. now so we just give it to them right that's interesting yeah and that's and that's sort of our that, that's the way we feel like we will um, we will bet we will benefit or the thing that we've got over our sort of competition or anyone else mm. is we just we do we're always on it with 24 7 i mean tom's always writing songs and always got ideas mike me and me mike joe we're always there sort of adding to these ideas that tom comes up with and we see it we see we sort of have took a different like business model in that approach you know a lot of people are, as you say a lot of people are single 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 because they want the biggest bang for the buck whereas i think we're sort of playing the long game and just going no what we'll do is we'll we'll give them a series and netflix series every 12 months or every 18 months because then because you know if they don't like us if they don't like all 10 songs on the album they're gonna like one yeah. So then in four years, they're going to like four of our songs. So then in four years' time, you'll buy a ticket to the show. And, like, you know, it's, it's mm. sort of, we're, we're sort of in it for the long game because we, I think we back our talent and, our, and back our sort of uh, yeah. ability to be able to produce four, five, six, seven albums, whatever it is. Brilliant. And what, how do you look back on album one, Matador, now? What, what, how do you look back on the first album in a band compared to where you are now, just about to release your third? It's, it, I mean, it, it was quite. Um, 
did its job. I think it was quite a naive album, but I think it's always meant to be your first one, isn't it? It was quite yeah. like a like scratchy and like and like more youthful and stuff. Whereas I feel like the third, the second was a second. It feels like there's a stepping stone to the third album, which feels like a kind of coming of age kind of record. That's all we kind of get from it. But we still look back yeah. fondly on Matador, and it and does, does a great job live and that. We love playing the song still. But yeah, it does feel like a, it feels great because it feels like it captured how we felt at the time. Just like young and full of like beans and like just wanting to get out and like show people these songs. It's the first time I've heard brass from a, a, a like a, a band in a long time. <laughs> I, I love that. Well, it's it, it, it sort of fits in with what you were saying about this whole thought process and the plan yeah. and it being professional from our point of view. Joe come about because it was a, a an ex manager of ours was like, "Listen, boys, the uh, the trend in the industry isn't so much bands now. It's this and that." And he said, "Yeah." You need something to stand out from a crowd. So we went away from that meeting thinking, oh, watch, we need to stand out from a crowd. How do we do it? How do we do it? We're all raging, all fuming, to be honest. Mm. But then it was a conscious decision to find something else. And a couple of days later, after that meeting, Mike bumped into Joe, who we went to school with. And Joe was like, I played trumpet. You want me to come along? He was saying, telling about the bands and all mm. that. He said, I played trumpet. You want me to come along for a, a jam? And then a few days later, we he, he come in the room and, and it was just like the not just the cherry on the cake, it was the icing and the yeah. <laughs> everything else. Everything it was just, it, it sort of brought everything together and uh, it it made us stand out because if no one knows our name, no one knows our songs, but they go, oh, that band with the, with the trumpet, that's <laughs> enough, you know what I mean? Quality, quality. So the first album was brought out. What kind of, what kind of changed from bringing out the first album, moving into the second album, The Hollow of Hundrum? Uh, what kind of developments went on between band members and uh, conversations with management and the, and the label, that kind of stuff? What what was the process for you guys moving from the first album into the second one? I think we just played well, a lot. Was, we played a lot of big shows, hadn't we, Tom? It was, it was relentless touring, like with the, with the mm. first one. And then obviously your, your second album is always to write because you, you're so busy playing the first one. Mm. It was written and then recorded and we went to lockdown coming before the singles come out. Yeah. So we kind of, that was an album we were releasing through the first lockdown. It was probably the biggest society shift like for us. But like um, the team's always been the same. Mm. The writing process was a bit, was quite similar to the first. To be honest, I'd bring something in and we'd all add me to the bones. Uh, and we didn't want to steer too clear from the, the sound of the first record. We still wanted that like, Spaghetti Western kind of mariachi yeah. vibe, but then we kind of took it in different directions, like slightly pulled it away. Where did they, the like slightly that... like bullringy type Spanish sound? Where did that stem from? Don't know. It was the Trump <laughs> wave. Yeah. It was. We got like a. We knew we wanted this kind of like Tarantino sound, yeah. like with the first record, and then. As soon as the trumpet come in, we kind of just we were like, let's just come in. <laughs> let's just like. Had you, had you named had you named the album by then? The had you named the album Matador by then? Did you know it was going to be called that? But even before the brass, did that? That was the first song. That was the first song. I think that's our like oldest song. I think it was like favorite. Yeah. Um, so we didn't know we were going to call it that, but it felt like it felt right. Yeah. 
to name it um, to name it that. Okay. So but the transition from like Matthew yeah. to Hall of Humdrum, I, I always think in my head is we were writing us six, we were writing Matador with the view of playing in our local in the Zanzibar round the corner mm. or going to Sheffield and playing a basement somewhere or going to London and playing a, a two hundred cap room. Yeah. And it, so I think we were right that, that was our sort of idea of you know, get a few get the room sweaty, get it mm. scratchy, get lots of energy. But through releasing Matador after that, after that, we went and played lots of festivals um, and bigger rooms and bigger stages. And, and then I think, so I think trying to, when, when we were writing and producing a Hello Fun Drum, we just tried to make it a little bit bigger. It's, I, I think we moved away from the scratchy guitars and the indie sound yeah. a little bit and tried to make it a bit more full-bodied and a bit more, you know, have a bit of a string section and a bit of a this and a bit of a that, just something that was big and... and, and uh, and and sort of a little bit more mainstream, probably. Yeah. To be honest, so it's interesting when you started it. Yeah, it was like the shows were growing, so we we felt like we knew what worked as as a band, what what kind of songs worked. So we're like we were going for that kind of euphoric, like long feel good energy kind yeah. of thing. But we also had a bit of we felt that we could have, be a bit self indulgent on some tracks, have a few slowies in there as well. So that's what kind of the second album kind of bit into that. Sure. So uh, uh, you were interested. You mentioned you know scratching around other cities and playing basements and that kind of stuff. When when I'm trying to advise bands, they all all they want to do is try trying to take over their home city first. Which the, the main thing that I say to them when they when they tell me that is, you don't know that the people that are going to love your music are in your home city. There's a big world out there, and there's and there's loads of tools to get your music out there, oh, oh, throughout the world. So don't think of your home city as the place where it's going to happen for you, because there's a massive chance that that's not going to be the case. Um, so how did you, and, and getting your music out into different cities and playing other cities? Because a lot of bands can play the home city too much as well, particularly when they start and they're green and all that kind of stuff. So what was your approach to getting Red Rub Clubs out of Liverpool? We were we were the same. I think we were mm. we wanted sell out show every time in Liverpool. We wanted this, wanted that. But we found that, and we wanted to go on tour. We did want to go on tour. It wasn't mm. like we were reluctant to go and play other cities. But what we found was when we were we done a lot of hustling in the early days, a lot of like messaging and inboxing, and yeah. when we didn't have when we didn't have an agent or not, and we were just like, right, we're going to play this place to, to, to this many people, and yet yeah, there's yeah. a show there and, and wherever we were going, and we go and just do it. But what we found was the people in Liverpool who maybe wouldn't have bought your tickets or were like sort of half aware of it and, and were like, you, you know, when they were fans, but they weren't sort of diehard fans. They, they, they were sort of uh, just passive listening. When you go on tour, when you go away, so like if we go, if we went to play the show in London and went to play the show in Manchester mm-hmm. and Sheffield and went up to Glasgow and come back, those fans would take, uh, feel like Liverpool took us a little bit more seriously and we're like, oh, well, then, boys, how was the tour? Mm-hmm. And it felt like like we were at, like our hard work and our like long nights driving up to Scotland and all that. They, mm. That was rewarded in their sort of well in boys. You, you, you sort of felt like we were representing them a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, so they took them all so, seriously. You come back and they were like, yeah, yeah, I'll go. I'll buy a ticket. When's the next one? Sort of thing. So I think you've got to 
you've got you as I say, it's probably that saying, isn't it? You, you speculate to accumulate. You've got to just go out there and play to empty rooms in Glasgow and come back, and then the people in Liverpool will. Mm. Oh no, you've played to an empty room, but they'll just see that you've played, you've been away in Glasgow and you've been representing Liverpool or Liverpool bands. Yeah, you know what I mean. Oh, that, that... Territorial. When we started selling some tickets around the country, mm. it was like people were kind of like they. It wasn't like a jealousy, but it was like they're out, they're, they're Liverpool lads, like what, like when we don't back them. Do you know what I mean? So when we come back from a tour and we were like coming to our shows because like they'd seen videos of like Londoners dancing to our tunes, so like from sure then they kind of want to get behind their own band. Yeah. So that was quite interesting as well. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. So yeah, it's fascinating. So I'm I'm managing a band called Sinclair in Manchester, and. They're really green. They've got a lot to learn, and they need, and, and they need to work harder, which is all stuff that we're working on. But when I tell them to look for inspiration on uh, on a band that works hard online, I always tell them to check out what you guys are doing because I, I just think it's it's first class that the, the, the amount of engagement you're getting on on your socials and the amount of hard work that you're doing on there just looks great. Um, and and you you you're branding each album, so you know Matador was all black with the you know with the with the the circle around the logo, that kind of stuff. Second album, Yellow Squares, it was all branded. You knew it, that it was a Red Rum Club, uh, and now you're doing it again for the third album as well. What, what kind of where did all that come from? That kind of was that advice that you were given, or is that something that you wanted to do yourself? That's probably something we enjoyed the most, Hello. to be honest, mm. isn't it, Tom? Yeah, it's like. We're big on like uh, the aesthetic of an album. Mm. I find it really important. Like in all my favorite bands and all my favorite records, I love the way the album had its own kind of world, and then the band kind of live in that world for that yeah. campaign. Something to do next time. I feel like that's something that keeps it kind of fresh as well. If it was like, I think it get a bit like monotonous if it if it just stayed the same the whole time. But we find that we can just dip in and out of like this kind of aesthetic, and we all dress like things. So like, it's not too wild. I don't think we go full like David Bowie on it or not. But it looks like it looks uh, just it just looks like you're having a lot of fun, which I think people really enjoy yeah, watching and getting involved. That's something that recently we thought we may as well like. We were always a bit reluctant for us because uh, all our favorite bands were like cool bands. We were like, oh yeah, you've got to be cool. You've got to look. But really, I think the coolest thing to do was just to have because. That comes across, and it's the most like um, relatable thing to do. Yeah, there's too many. There's, there's too many bands looking mardy with a leather jacket on, stood against a wall, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. If you do that, a... you do that one time out of ten, can't you? The other nine, you've got to make. Yeah. You've got to. If you, I mean, we're not, none of us are the models, are we? None of us are there. So we, so we've got to be, you know, got to at least do something, make them laugh, even if you don't make them. That's another re- that's another sign that we back our music though as well. Mm, it's funny yeah. to do that if the music was like jokey or funny or quirky. I probably wouldn't do I'd probably do the opposite, but because yeah. the music is something we, we seriously we can kinda be a bit lax with our, how we treat ourselves. Yeah, no, brilliant. It's, it's great. So the third album's on its way, released on was it twenty second of October? And you've got a single coming out on the fourth of August as well. So just talk us through the build up to the new album and um, how it's all feeling at the minute then? I don't know. I, feel, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it. It's very early days. Yeah. We're, we're living in a, a very different world than, yeah. than, you know, this time. We don't know what to expect. We know we're going to get back on the road sometime soon. Yeah. But I don't know whether 
I don't know whether that'll come in time for for to fully experience the whole thing. Yeah. Um, as I said, we've already got a single out, and we've got the se- uh, the second single coming out on the fourth of August. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully there'll be shows back then. But but I feel like this album is the album that will make people realise that uh, you're not messing about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think as for the music, like. Uh, I think this is everyone's favourite album in the band, and like mm. in the like the people who we showed it to being like it's a it's a step up, like um, and I like we all feel the same. It's definitely a coming of age kind of album. It's not as a, it's not as in your face as the first two because I listened to the first two back to back, just like writing this one, and it was like I think felt like we needed to give the listener a bit of a break, like because mm. it's a bit like all. Bangers in your face, and you're like, Fucking hell, what was that when it's finished? So, this one's got a, a bit more, um, a bit more up and down, and like a bit more dynamics to it. Well, I've already pre I've already pre saved it, I've pre saved it, lads, and you can pre save it now. Yeah. I'll put a link on, I'll put a link to pre save it, uh, you know, as part of this podcast in the description, guys. So, if you're listening to it on YouTube or wherever you're listening to it, click on the link and save yourself this new album because I'm looking forward to it, lads. Nice one, Carl. <laughs> so you've got tram lines coming up. Tram lines is happening. The festival is happening, guys. It's happening as we speak today. It's happening in a, two or three weeks. Uh, Sheffield, where I'm from. Have, have you ever? I, I, I presume you've played the Fringe uh, for tram lines before. We play, we've played tram lines. Yeah. Feels like we played the last ten years. Or something. Right. We, 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 <laughs> Sheffield was our second city. We had a few contacts when we first started out. We mm. had a few contacts in, in Sheffield. Yeah. Um, and we always used to get, and it was probably the it was the first time we sold the show out outside, outside the Liverpool. We played tramlines every year. There was a yeah. year where we had five gigs in two days at tramlines fringe festivals mm-hmm. when it was in the city. Yeah, um, we played it last year, two thousand nineteen. We headlined this feeling stage or the library stage. Oh, um, but so that was an inside the main. That was inside the main bit. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, and we clashed with Two Door Cinema Club. We thought no one had uh, come, but there was about four thousand people there. Yeah. It was madness. It was great. But now, but this year you're playing to the stage, which is the the, the main big uh, tent apart away from the main stage, and you're supporting Slow Readers Club, Jake Bug, um, Sophie Ellis Baxter, Sophie Ellis Baxter. Yeah, how, how much are you looking forward to getting back on a big stage again and just fucking having it? I feel like that's gonna be a emotional one, mm. That's like that's that'll be the first one back, and we're on the first day. And we're probably going to be one of the first bands on as well, four yeah. o'clock. Yeah. As in, like, I think we'll be, it's going to be a good one, like, isn't it? Yeah. We'll have Can't to be, be the icebreaker, yeah. I think we'll have to be the, have to talk people through it and, you know, teach them how to be at a gig now to mosh again and stuff like that. Well, that that stage, just so you know, I watched a few last year at the main, at the main festival and it, it's a massive fucking stage, that one, lads. You're going to love it. It's, it, it's Yeah, we watched the, Clean Cut Kids were on. Yeah. Rates of ours, they were on our, they were on, did you watch them, Tom? And Sea Monsters, that's Sea Monsters, yeah, they're, Sheff- they're for Sheffield. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. so, so, so you still got that, because Sea Monsters, were, they were they were part of the This Feeling family as well, weren't they? So, uh, yeah. h- how's that community, um, be, like, uh, kept together through, you know, through, the, I don't like talking about the pandemic anymore, but, you know, through the last year, I just want to move forward with it all. How, how's that community uh, stuck together? Very, very well. To be honest, I mean, mm. it, it just shows you how genuine that, you know, how genuine and and passionate 
that mm. whole scene and that everyone involved in that scene it yeah. is. If you just look at you know last night we played a show to a sellout room. Yeah. Granted, it was seated and stuff like that, but they've done that right the way through the Euros. They've had the Lightning Seeds on, mm. um, and they've had like you know they've had three bands a night for every Union game, and then yeah. booking the game on live. You know they've made the extra efforts to 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 keep bands busy and get yeah. bands you know still back on the stage. So um, they did the vinyl as well. They do the a big vinyl announcement each year as well. They they, they offer so much support to and, and the you know to, discs and yeah. That, yeah. It just looks great. And then they've done, they've done the, uh, the, we were involved in the All Together Now mm. um, cover, uh, which we did, and, you know, just the amount of people involved in that, yeah. the amount of, not just, not just like bands, but like the actual, like, you know, people in the industry. So, so our record label, for mm. example, you know, they, they sort of got involved and stuff. And it just, it got to a point where it felt like they were the, the only thing in the industry that was moving. Yeah. Felt like the whole this feeling and and the Scots and the modern sky because we were obviously involved in modern sky. Yeah. Felt like they were the only ones carrying on doing things at times. And you know, a lot like you, you, you just got to be grateful for that they, they exist. Sure. So we move forward. You know, it looks like we're all getting back to normal again. The big gigs are starting to happen. The big massive third album's on its way. Um, I'm just going to leave it with guys just. Click the pre-link, order the album, have a listen through the backlog if you've got some spare time and all. Just embrace Red Rum Club in 2021, and I think I think that's all right. And tip for a little bit of promo for you. I think I don't I don't know what more to say there, guys. <laughs> is, is there anything that you guys just want to finish off with? Um, I don't know, Tom. You're you're the wordsmith. <laughs> Our new single has uh, yes. just come out. Could be called "Vibrate." Right. Uh, stream that. Stream That'd it. Lovely. Jump on the socials on Red. Just enjoy the socials on there. Uh, and thanks, guys. Really appreciate you joining us today. And just good luck with everything, lads. Thank you, God. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Tom and Fran, for joining us down for that interview with with me during the Euros. We were discussing the, the gig that they had coming up at Tramlines. And obviously that gig's happened now. I was, uh, I was interviewing down at Tramlines myself and I caught the second part of their gig on the other stage at Tramlines. Absolutely proud of the guys. You know, they, they, they've taken... They can just take to those big stages just like that. It's just... So proud of them, and you know they work so hard. They've got so much wisdom around this band, and they, they know the score. I like that. They're great on the socials, build relationships with people. It's how a band should be built. They're doing it the right way. They're doing it through hard work and building relationships. Good on them. And thank you guys for joining us on this podcast. It's really appreciated. And you did a, an amazing gig down at Tramlines. I can vouch for you. I was there for the second part. Couldn't quite make the start, but I was interviewing uh, at the football ground. Busy B. So, yeah, that's a, another edition of this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in. Do delve into the archives. There's hours of content on there. Special guests. Content for bands. You know, industry chats. Loads of useful stuff for if you're in, if you're in a band. Just have a look through the archives. Loads. Hear about the new episodes coming up first through at Twitter on RGM Pod. 
and the video version of this pod, uh, of this podcast premieres on the RGM YouTube channel at 6pm tonight. If you're listening after Monday, it'll be available now. Do pre-order the lads' album. Uh, the link is in our description. Um, you know, I can't wait for this album to come out. This band worked so hard, they'd appreciate a little pre-order. Um, it helps all the algorithms and uh, all the facts and figures that goes on behind the band and you know how well they're performing. It helps them. Just helps them out. Thanks to Scott's, our sponsor as well, for sponsoring this podcast. Really appreciated all the work that they do supporting the music community. Thank you, Scott. So that's it. Another episode to uh, to share with you. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, we're back next Monday. And we've got comedian Tom Bins. An absolutely hilarious... Uh, well, you'd, you'd imagine, wouldn't you? You'd hope so if you're a comedian. He joins me in his van. He got out of his van, climbed on top, told me about his life. He ate some ham. <laughs> we, we, we had a right good chat. You know, he's, he's, he used to be the warm-up guy uh, for Alan Partridge. I'm Alan Partridge, uh, TV show. Loads of stories about that. All his character, comedy. Uh, just a great character when we had a good chat for 40 minutes or so. So join us next Monday for another edition of the podcast. It's very much appreciated. I'm going to let you get off for this week. So, enjoy your week, guys. Tell people about the podcast if you've enjoyed it. It's the best way of spreading the word. And we'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. I've been Carl. And toodle-oo. Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Be a part of it with Scott's Menswear, the go-to destination for sports fashion. With a reputation spanning over 30 years, Scott's has a mega brand catalogue featuring Adidas Originals, Nike, Fred Perry, Pretty Green, and many more. Here at RGM, we love the support that they offer us and the music-loving community around us. Check them out at scottsmenswear.com. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe. Tell a friend about our show. And thank you for your support. And we'll see you next week.